And so you get to scale up here in Atlantic Canada and you're, you're in a pretty good position, but to get to scale up here in Atlantic Canada, that can, that's kind of that tricky part. And so we're great at starting, we're great at scaling, or we've got a lot of support for scaling, but there's something in between that, like get to that scale piece where uh, we lose a lot of people. And I think we lose a lot of smart people, unfortunately. Awesome, guys. We have uh, Patrick Farrar on the podcast. Patrick, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, Patrick, I've been I've been dying to catch up with you ever since uh, um, Henry reached out and uh, got you scheduled here. Uh, we were talking off air about how I interviewed for you for an entrepreneur in residence uh, position about two two and a half years ago. Uh, things didn't work out, but uh, literally a few weeks after that, we actually started this uh, the show. Um, you know, so and I was giving you a heads up out. about that. What's that? So things did work out, right? It things always worked works. out. Things yeah. always work out. Um, but yeah, so interesting enough, like um, the whole reason we um, started this podcast, like we started actually the physical set. And the whole point was that like, you know, we were trying to create a, like a traveling set that can go from incubator to incubator and catalog all the uh, all the startups and provide this like 4K quality HD like asset that startups can use to like promote themselves as a, as a brand piece. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, initially our in-person set was like a four camera, three 4K cameras. We had an audio engineer, a, tech, a video engineer. And uh, we went from, uh, you know, starting with the University of Toronto's incubators, we started going around in the Toronto region. And, you know, COVID made us turn virtual. So we are we're running it virtually like this now, but allows us to have these kind of conversations with you in the Atlantic yeah. regions, right? Yeah. But um, one of my, one of my um, you know, best conversations with interviewing with you that, uh, with, uh, that day way back, because through that, I got a lot of insights to what's going on in the Atlantic regions. I had no idea. You know, you, we always think, of, you know, from a big city like Toronto, we're always like, you know, uh, in, out of place with what's going on in like the different provinces, especially the Atlantic regions. And uh, talking to you, you know, talking about you were talking about the, the implosion of startups and innovation that's going on in Atlantic provinces really like sparked my interest. Um, so today I'd love to you know dive deeper into that. You know, what's the three, past three years been like? You know, you used to be Adventure for Canada. Now you're running Startup Zone. Uh, when I talked to you last two years ago, you know, you're, you're, two three years ago, you're talking about you know opening up a separate center, like a another location, because you guys are so rapidly growing. Yeah, Patrick, I think uh, that we have a lot to catch up on. Yeah, for sure. And I just said, yeah, I'm excited to be chatting with you. I'm excited to see you doing this. We need a ton of storytelling across Canada of what's happening in the tech scene, uh, particularly Atlantic Canada. You know, we don't talk about it enough. We're super humble and kind of keep things quiet. So, no, I think the storytelling piece is great. And yeah, like we need to be bragging a little bit more about Atlantic Canada. So. I think it's been 5 billion in acquisitions or exits over the past wow. decade here for Atlantic Canada, which for such a small space, that's like pretty remarkable. And, you know, in my role at Startup Zone, I was essentially, you know, focusing on the ecosystem and sort of the biggest challenges that we face in our ecosystem and working with all the ecosystem partners. And we've come a long way before my days at like Venture for Canada, you know, 10 years ago, helping small, medium businesses here in, uh, in Halifax in Nova Scotia, we've, it's booming now. I, I can't even believe how many startups are raising, are scaling. And so, yeah, we wanted to start the scale up zone 
over on PEI. And uh, we didn't get there yet, but we were essentially a scale-up zone within the startup zone. Uh, but obviously there's this huge emphasis on scaling here in Atlantic Canada. We do a really great job of starting businesses. Um, and now we need to get a really good at scaling those businesses. So that's been fun to sort of uh, participate in, support, grow. We're always looking at, you know, our Atlantic Canada ecosystem, what we do really well in as incubators, as accelerators, as government, as entrepreneurs. You know, one big gap we do see over here is angel investing. That's not to say that people aren't raising money because our companies have really no issue raising money. That's been uh, pretty evident by the, the amount of raising. And I think we're going to see some pretty remarkable angel investing numbers here coming up. But, uh, you know, in terms of organization, there's no real angel network out here. And I think we're one of the only regions in Canada and potentially North America that doesn't have an angel group. And so without an angel group, you can advocate on, you know, certain uh, policies, let's say, or certain gaps that we might see in the ecosystem. Uh, but you also can't educate people. And so we're seeing the local universities educating a lot of people, which is great, and generally a lot of students. But let's, you know, now convert that over to helping accredited investors learn about um, what's going on and whatnot. So did I lose you there, Ravi? No, no. I, I just okay. get the background noise here, so I have my mic on uh, mute. Oh, cool, cool, cool. All good, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, I think what you're talking about the the angel infrastructure it's a it's a glow it's a actually a na national conversation because uh, yeah. you know the lack of angels is uh, it's pretty really uh, like you know it's integral to like the startup ecosystem in, in Canada you know um, I've been reading a lot of reports um, that's coming out about the innovation industry like Canada is a global leader for innovation you know, we see a lot of companies a lot of innovators have always come out of here. You know, a lot of great innovations have come through here historically. I think, um, you know, one of the things I, I, I've been caught myself saying is that uh, America is a great exporter of companies. Canada is a great expor exporter of innovators, right? And the reason we don't create companies is because uh, too many companies come out of here because the angel, the blocker is angels, right? The VC infrastructure has gotten a place of the last decade. We've gotten pretty good at uh, having VCs. We'll take on the Series A level rounds and later on stages. There's great government support. There's great incubators and accelerators. You're, you're definitely up there, one of them. Great mentors, but uh, angels, particularly uh, strategic uh, money, right? People who have done the innovation game before and now in, not just investing, but also providing strategic capital and uh, network capital and, uh, and, and, uh, and uh, strategically um, helping companies. That's what's really lacking because most of the wealth in Canada is mostly like more traditional wealth, right? Like made through real estate, uh, made through more like more like solid gains. So a lot of angels, uh, they look at startups as a, as a finite game rather than infinite game. They they look at things like, okay, how much are you getting in? Uh, how much am I going to exit out at? Um, you know, they look. They generally want a higher percentage coming in than you know our U.S. counterparts, right? And uh, what you really need out of a proper angel is somebody who not just invests in the company and the, the financials behind it, but uh, really is investing in the solutions that you're trying to provide. Right, aka they're investing in the world that you're trying to create, all right, through your company, through your innovation, through the, um, through what you're providing out, and we don't have angels with that strategic mindset. 
Um, and one of the rises that we have seen is um, is now is um, these uh, crowdfunding initiatives, crowd equity raising, right? Uh, we we've been talking to the front founder team out of Vancouver. They're really uh, really uh, really been driving this forward because what even though there's no uh, angels can come in like at a high check rate, there's a bunch of Canadians. Um, you know, regular folks that want to be part of this, want to support projects, uh, and they're re- willing to put money in, especially at a micro amount. And um, I, I think, uh, you know, I think that that that's, that might be the answer for our nation, right? Being able to ra- raise from an, a, a crowd of people and micro funds and, into one, and, and, you know, into your um, strategically into into like uh, early stage companies that could help us raise a gambit to bring companies to a level where uh, VCs can take them. Completely agree. Um, you know, we hit a, I've looked into that with a couple of interested, you know, partners or companions, support people. Uh, and the wall you end up hitting is the the financial regulations with it. And yeah, I'd be curious to see what the, the front funder guys, uh, the group say in there. But, you know, I guess something that, like, there's that accredited investor piece that seems to be the constant issue. And Angel investing is all about hyper local. It's not always about that, but you know, you want to generally invest in like your local community and whatnot. But if you're not an accredited investor, well, that's kind of difficult to do based on the current regulations. And so the crowdfunding piece kind of solves that gap where, okay, I don't have a hundred thousand dollars to dump into some innovative startups. But I do have maybe a couple thousand dollars. And so, but in the current medium that we have for financial regulations, that kind of uh, prohibits prohibits us from doing that. Um, Some people still do it anyways, and are able to get away with it. Um, But I mean, obviously you run into some challenges there. So when I look at angel investors, there's like two potential groups. There's accredited investors, Who's kind of who you mentioned are people who've made their money off of some traditional industries, not we'll call it non-tech industries. Um, mm. And I think you mentioned the finite versus infinite game. I don't know if that was like that Alex Danko reference on the, the tech ecosystem doesn't work in Canada, but like, yeah, I'm a big fan of that sort of belief as well. And that we're always looking for these for sure bets in Canada. And that goes completely mm-hmm. against the whole concept of innovation and startups. So you need that private money in there, pushing, taking risks. And I think we need to start at stage one, at least here in Atlantic Canada, which begins with educating. And we need to be educating more of those yeah. accredited investors who don't know about tech and getting them interested in seeing the value and the return on tech. The second piece, so you got the accredited investors, and then you've got the tech, I'll call them tech investors, but they could also be tech entrepreneurs. And right now we're starting to see mm-hmm. our successful tech entrepreneurs come out of the gate, which is awesome. And so, yeah, yeah I think from just got to build off of that. You get those groups Definitely. together. Yeah, let, let's tie this back to, uh, you know, what you're doing at Startup Zone. You, know, you used to be at Venture for Canada and then, you came over to Startup Zone. Can we talk a little bit about that journey? Like, what was the opportunity you saw in PEI and Atlantic regions that brought you there? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, it was always looking for a challenge. And I thought, you know, what better place to try to learn the ecosystem, you know, push innovation than the smallest province in Canada. And if we can get it, 
right there, then you can get it right really anywhere in, uh, in the world or in Canada at the very least. So mm -hmm. yeah, we went there with the idea that it, uh, was still very early stages of that whole innovation startup ecosystem and pushing that. Um, and yeah, kind of pushed it through that and, uh, kind of blew it open. We flipped it upside yeah. down in a sense. So you didn't have to be here in order to get in the startup zone. We accepted you at sort of any level with the goal of getting you to here and beyond. Um, and that brought a lot of collaboration, a lot of collisions, a lot of different peer learnings. And so, yeah, that was, that was a ton of fun. We ended up helping, you know, over 250 businesses and, you know, but the two years I was there, um, which was initially only 40 businesses. So you just want to try to get as many people in the door because you never know who's going to be great and who's going to be able to kind of uh, push that, uh, I guess, yeah, to that next level. And who are we to judge whether you're going to do incredibly well or not with your business? You can't really, I think we all like to think we can predict what success looks like with innovation, but it comes in all different forms. And so we mm -hmm. were able to see all spectrums of it from the tech side to the SMB to the nonprofit and we've got some amazing companies coming out of there now, um, raising funding, uh, you know, obviously bringing in lots of customers and solving real world problems. Um, and it's not just, you know, another tech company sort of thing. So it's really cool to distill that down and, and what we're doing and what a company or a business or an entrepreneur should be doing and that's being passionate about solving problems. And sometimes we get so engulfed in the whole scheme of things, you get so passionate about your solution. And all you think about is your solution. And that's the completely wrong way to think about it. You need to think about the problems of your customers. I know I'm getting like super granular, but I saw it as like a, a common problem with a lot of entrepreneurs was, I've got this solution, I think it's amazing. And they'd be, they go around, they talk to everyone. They'd be like, what do you think about this solution? Isn't it amazing? And people would be like, yeah, that'd be cool. I'd like to have that. But, you know, would they actually describe that as a problem? That's a whole other, like you're, you're almost, there's this crazy bias and everything that we've come to learn about it and that, you know, I'm still learning about. I think you never stop learning about Um and when you're dealing with passionate entrepreneurs, that's like a fun thing to, you've got to continue to balance and ensure you're kind of pulling them back on that problem all the time. But yeah, no, it, it was a lot of fun yeah. as an ecosystem, you know, for PEI, generally very insular, I'd say all our provinces, all our regions were very insular. And it was so valuable and important to us to be expanding outside of PEI. So we worked with all the other incubators in Atlantic Canada. Uh, you know, we worked with accelerators like Propel and CDL as well and brought people together and said, hey, let's have an honest conversation about the opportunities and the challenges that we're seeing in the space. And government isn't in the room like they normally are. Uh, so you don't have to really put on a, a show to some extent. 
Uh, and you're also not afraid to be honest about some obstacles or challenges you might be facing. And that's really the value in this collaboration that we saw regionally and even across Canada, like uh, the CDMN network out of uh, sort of Waterloo, Communitech with the Canadian Digital Media Network and what they do on a national basis and connecting, you know, dozens of incubators together to share advice, share best practices, share potential opportunities, advocate on behalf of entrepreneurs in Canada. Um, these groups are so important. NACO, you know, the National Angel Organization for Canada is another big one with Claudio, if you haven't chatted with him already, but what they're doing, particularly in like Alberta and things, like you're seeing some pretty interest, interesting uh, opportunities there. And so I think, yeah, the focus for us as PEI being the smallest province was making sure we connect with a lot of different uh, ecosystems outside of PEI and learn what they've been doing for the last 10 years. And that we were able to leapfrog our entire, you know, growth cycle, I guess, and, and say, oh, wow, we, you know, let's get to the accelerator program. Let's, you know, make sure we're doing community and uh, memberships and all these things that made us sustainable uh, that might have taken us a lot longer to get to if we were to kind of fall and do it ourselves over and over again. Yeah. I mean, our, our last conversation we had, I mean, you really sold uh, the, the innovation landscape at MPEI really well because you talked you talked about how, you know, you, you've grown into like a, such a, a wide community. Um, and you also talked about what what type of tech you're working on. You know, you introduced me to the idea that, you know, yeah, the traditional fisheries and the economy is now being revolutionized by tech, right? You talk about fisheries tech, rural tech, farming tech, like agri-tech, um, all these different things that uh, PI is really, uh, uh, that, uh, that uh, the Atlantic region is really known for, and also finding uh, secondary markets for it. You know, you were, I think at that time, talking about reaching out to um, to uh, India and like uh, South Asia's um, infrastructure there and creating partnerships there because the type of technologies you're working on, the synergies is really, really in developing nations and and the applications there is much more pertinent than the rest of Canada. It might be as a, as a, as a, as a utility, right? Um, so can we talk a little bit more about the type of technologies that have come out of uh, Startup Zone and and out of that region in general and um, what, what kind of uh, partnerships are have, uh, bridged from there? Nice, yeah. Um, so I was able to go over to, yeah, India and visit IIT. I was there on sort of personal matters with my wife, but decided, hey, IIT Madras is just, just down the street and, you know, emailed the, the CEO, said we're in town. And they were able to give us a full tour of what they're doing. And I, I was shocked at how similar we were to the innovations that they were focusing on at IIT because um, I realized my fire alarm was going off back there. Do you want me to go turn that off or do you notice that? If, <laughs> if you need to, but you can go ahead, but we don't, uh, I can't hear anything. Oh, sweet. Okay, perfect. Then that's all good. Um, so yeah, we went to go visit IIT. Uh, in, or IIT Madras there in Chennai, and we got to go look at all the innovations, and it was it was shocking to see that they were focusing on the exact same industries that we were in PEI, which was agri. I, I call them essential. I don't know what right term you want to put, but I would say you know they are essential tech to some 
extent. And so uh, they focused on food, water, and energy. Those were the three main categories that they focused on. And that's exactly, you know, I guess oceans you could add to that. Uh, but, you know, drinking water, uh, food, egg tech, and the clean tech industries were also industries that we focus heavily on at the startup zone. Um, and I think just generally in Canada, you're now seeing that as well with a, a strong sort of federal support for clean tech. And we're also, also an ocean super cluster over here on the East Coast, bringing in uh, entrepreneurs and talent from across the world uh, to be, you know, these ocean tech businesses here in uh, Atlantic Canada, which is super exciting. Um, and so, yeah, we had a similar approach and it was just sort of reassuring, I guess, that, you know, a place as large as India with a billion people can, are, are focusing on these technologies that, you know, the same population of PEI at 100,000 or you know, 150,000 people were focusing on, but uh, rather than just be your regular next, you know, next big tech application or company, we're focusing on these real world problems that you could sell globally, uh, you know, in these global markets to help with food, help with water and help with energy. And I think we're going to continue to see that trend and the ocean supercluster, the clean tech push. I think the gap we're seeing maybe is in the food tech, the egg tech space a little bit. And so I'm curious to see, you know, where Canada has so much space and we have still some very sort of traditional farming. We have seen some egg techs who have done very well, but I'm not seeing the state that we probably should be given sort of the advantages we have here. And sometimes your advantages can be your disadvantages because it's not really a problem for Canada given how much space we have. And so as a result, um, if it's not a problem, then there's no rush to sort of solve it versus, you know, in India with, the, you know, shortages of water or shortages of food and limited food, like these are urgent matters that, you know, can save lives. And, you know, those are the problems I think we should be trying to solve. Not, and I'm obviously biased on this, but you know, the building an app or widget that's going to help Big Corp X save, you know, multi-billions. That's just, that's not a motivation for me. And I know it is for others and that's great, but this is the space I sort of uh, continue to play in. And so I'm seeing a lot of activity in the clean tech space, which is really reassuring. Yeah, I like how you position as essential tech because you're right, you know, we're, we're so fixated on the B2B space, B2B SaaS being like the most profitable sector of, of, of tech right now, right? Like everyone everyone has like a B2B SaaS play and that's what they're trying to push because that's a lease of friction. You know, once you build this product, all you need is electricity and the servers to run it and it just goes out and you just, you know, charge for it monthly and boom, you just, you just have the scalable solution just infinitely scales. And, um, you know, that's where really where all like the excitement and these big numbers come up. But what you're talking about is uh, the, the technology, the underlying technologies that, uh, you know, build societies up and allows us to do, do more with less, um, you know, allows us to, you know, be more sophisticated as a culture and uh, even ultimately solve like the, the growing pains that uh, we're going to need in the future. Right. Like we know the world is burning. We know that uh, climate change is upon us. Uh, a billion, a billion plus people are going to be displaced in the next 40 years. Right, we're, we have, we're low, you know, we're losing capacity of fresh water resources to many parts of the world. 
um, you know, food is becoming scarce. Uh, the COVID has shown us how uh, how um, spread uh, how our um, unreliable resilient our supply chains are, right? And uh, there's yeah. a huge push now to suddenly fix all these like huge level problems, and uh, it's surprising how little um, uh, publicity these big these uh, these big initiatives are getting. Like you know, the people are playing under it. You know, we 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 talk to a lot of companies who are in this space. You know, agri tech, especially, uh, being so interesting and yet not getting enough support, right? Uh, because it's again not as financially as lucrative as like a B two B SaaS play. So, you know, can can we talk a bit more about the type of companies? Uh, any any cool companies that you can uh, highlight that uh, uh, are working on some really cool problems? Yeah, like there's there's quite a few. Um, I'm just thinking. I, I'm just thinking about everything you're saying and, and the whole B to C approach. And yeah, there's something in between, right? There's some. There's the B to B. There's the B to C, and then there's kind of that B to B to C. Like, I'm not sure what model you would call Shopify. I think you'd say it's a B2B right now. But, I mean, it's, initially it was sort of this B2C in a sense where, like, anybody could open up a shop in Shopify. Uh, now they have different vendors and, and sort of these channels. And so I think, you know, it's so there's if we can get something in between that's helping consumers through existing businesses or platforms uh, in those key essential areas, that's kind of the, the leverage. Uh, one company top of mind, you know, coming out of PEI is Island Water. And they're doing some pretty amazing things globally just in terms of, uh, and I won't speak for them, but I'm pretty sure based on their value prop, it's around, you know, solving water shortage issues and sort of whether it's salination or it's filtration uh, essentially providing this water source. And again, whether it's drinking or commercial use, uh, I think there's some variances there, but you know, they're applying their model across the board, which seems to be, uh, you know, very effective. We've got, uh, I can pick on one of the executives that work at works out of our space. Uh, you know, they're in clean tech carbon capture. Um, and, uh, you know, the name is carbon cure. And they are capturing carbon out of the out of the atmosphere, putting it into concrete, and they've just been invested by Amazon and Google back, or sorry, uh, I think it's Amazon and Microsoft with sort of Bill Gates' big push on climate change and whatnot. And this is a company you know that, that came out of Nova Scotia a few years ago, uh, and they're making like they're in the you know that that. Award X or some massive Google X award or some massive award to get a bunch of money. And they're one of like 10 or 20 companies, I think, being considered for it. And yeah, you're just seeing a lot of different changes. You're even seeing SMBs now trying to figure out how they can contribute or, you know, reduce their contribution to their environment uh, through food waste, um, water usage, or sort of carbon emissions, all related to food, water, and clean tech and energy again. So it's just, it's kind of this solution or this, uh, I guess, template that can be applied to almost anything. Um, and obviously, you know, some people say, oh, you need to go niche. You need to be like super specific in what you do. And I think you can still do that uh, while still kind of touching on all these different solutions. Um, 
Let's Nurture was another egg tech one. So they were focused on uh, sensors in, uh, in sort of agriculture growing and automation. Uh, Trulyf was another one. I think it was recently acquired out of, uh, out of Atlantic Canada or Goodleaf, I think is the, the uh, uh, partner name for it. But uh, yeah, tons of businesses. You know, we're also focused on, there's one, uh, it's a nonprofit called Atlantic Student Development Association and they help international students um, get jobs in, in Atlantic Canada, in PEI is where they're focusing right now. And they've gone through a really amazing journey from being at, you know, the G9 summit or G20, whichever one, you know, pitching to uh, prime minister. And it's just been, yeah, amazing to watch their path where we've now seen this huge gap of people coming to Canada, getting an education, but then there's that barrier of not knowing where to go, what business they want to be in, getting that exposure. And so they're really focused on that exposure, uh, you know, similarly to what we've done at Venture for Canada, uh, which is super exciting. And yeah, we just got to be helping in all these key areas where we're seeing challenges and, and gaps. And yeah, we don't have to overcomplicate it. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there seems to be a lot of uh, a lot of movement uh, in the, in this space, uh, especially. Uh, I think Catherine from um, from Propel came on and talked about this. How how recently there was a fintech company uh, in the Atlantic region that's got acquired, and I think um, I, I think it was um, uh, I, forgot, I forgot which province, but it was the acquisition was about ten percent of the of the province's GDP. And yes. that's what really woke up the Atlantic region's uh, governments and said, oh, my God, there's something going on here. There are people who are working in a distributed team from townships across the, this province that built a fintech company over the past uh, you know, half decade that got acquired for 10% of our, of our gross domestic pro product. And that's really what really opened up, uh, I think, a lot of resources for uh, sort of recently. Um, and I, can you talk a little bit more about the movements happening right now? Um, you know, what does the support structure look like for the Atlantic region? Yeah, I mean, so that would be Verifin. They were based out of Newfoundland. Uh, you know, they verified financials kind of in a sense, I guess, is the the, the play on the name. Um, and yeah, that's just amazing to watch. I think they were back before we were even doing a huge push on tech. And so they've kind of come a long way around. And that's been amazing to see. And, you know, NASDAQ acquisition is just huge to see that sort of name in Atlantic Canada. And so, you know, kudos and congrats to them. And now I think, you know, it still goes back to we're seeing supports, uh, particularly for, yeah, still young, new graduates or those kind of still in school. But on the business side of things, we're kind of seeing that scale up portion as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, once you're, you know, two, three years into it, you're making some significant traction. The government's here to support you as best they can without interfering, of course, but like connecting you through the trade commissions globally, uh, financing, uh, you know, from loans uh, generally would be the main piece. And I guess, again, I go back to the gap and the opportunity. And so you get to scale up here in Atlantic Canada and you're, you're in a pretty good position. 
but to get mm-hmm. to scale up here in Atlantic Canada, that can that's kind of that tricky part. And so we're great at starting, we're great at scaling, or we've got a lot of support for scaling, but there's something in between that, like get to that scale piece where uh, we lose a lot of people. And I think we lose a lot of smart people, unfortunately, in a, in a tough market. Um, you know, we are very risk adverse. I'll speak as Canadians. We're very risk adverse. We're very conservative, you know, leaning on these for sure economies like mining and banking and real estate. Um, And so taking a risk, I think, particularly for Atlantic Canadians, is just a whole other level. And we kind of get lost sometimes trying to sell to our local markets here in Atlantic Canada. And kind of going back to my whole point about PEI, and why I moved there, um, it was kind of like, if you can sell it on PEI, then you can sell it anywhere. You know, Atlantic Canada has probably got to be one of the hardest markets to sell to a consumer because they're always looking for a great brand name. You know, there's a lot of trust and relationship that goes into this. And so if you can get to that point in Atlantic Canada, I believe, you know, you can, you can sell anywhere in the world kind of thing. Um, <laughs> That said, you know, you're sometimes better off just selling outside of Atlanta, Canada, starting out. And, uh, you know, we need to make sure we're facilitating those connections. Uh, yeah, we're helping people get out of Atlantic Canada because we are so insular. And if we just see a company that is so focused on their local market and not really getting that exposure to what's going on in Toronto, in Vancouver, and obviously down in the States, in, in Boston, and sort of Silicon Valley and other, you know, name what New York, name whatever city um, and state. But I think, yeah, you, we just need to kind of getting out of there. Go to Asia, see what's going on there. See the 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 state that people work in, or the pace that people like. There's just no barriers, and I think, yeah, you've seen that those those articles and the ecosystem, and sometimes we support too much. Like, I don't think it's supporting too much. I think sometimes we're just missing some of that private components to it as well. And so that's where I go back to the angel investing and the angel capital. If we can, you know, fund more companies that are trying to get to that scale up phase, then we're going to see more hits on net eventually, you know, 100% of the shots you don't take, you miss or whatever Wayne Gretzky Yogi Berra quote you want to throw in there. Um, but yeah, essentially, I think if we can see more companies taking a run at it, um, where we see it, sort of see those gaps is that there is very little startup money, startup funding available on that private side. I think we've got a lot of public money there to support. And when it's just public money, it, it's kind of a different game. It's a different model. So you need to make sure that private money is in there as well facilitating sort of that that private side to it in terms of connections and fast growing capital and, you know, yeah, external connections, external sort of exposure. So that's kind of, I think, where we're getting to and we're slowly starting to see that progress. Or maybe fast. Yeah. Yeah. How does the... How's the how's the relationship with like um, you know larger private and uh, public uh, public companies in in the Atlantic region? Because you know, I, I think the astounding number is I think um, there's it's a hundred and ninety billion dollar annual market 
for public companies and for larger private com enterprises to uh, you know run partnerships or acquisitions with startups. Um, it's a huge secondary market that we don't really see much because you know we focus more on the VC side of things. These these you know companies that get all these funding and boom, but there's a lot of like a secondary markets of um, these partnership deals where um, you know large companies partner with uh, startups that have a uh, great IP um, in in order to uh, you know acquire them or acquire them later or merge with them. Um, there's a whole market there. And I know um, Foresight out of uh, out of uh, the, out of Foresight Accelerator out of uh, uh, the BC, they do something yeah. called like a reverse pitch, where they bring in like larger enterprise companies to pitch them, uh, pitch their problems that they might have, uh, so that yeah. startups can you know have a better understanding of like the larger uh, problems that are existing in the in, in the in, uh, existing in the world that uh, they can then deploy their solutions to. Right. Has there been an interest from larger enterprises and in, in working with uh, Startup Zone or working with companies in the region? How's that looking like? Yeah, I would say probably where we're seeing that uh, most focused is in the oceans industry, uh, ocean sector, I guess, over here. And so we are seeing a lot of ocean related partnerships between startups and large corps locally. Um, but I'd even say those partnerships are happening globally as well. Um, whether that's the reverse pitch idea where the, the local, you know, industry partner is pitching their problem. And then you've got entrepreneurs from all around the world kind of uh, wanting to, you know, take a, a pitch at this company and say, hey, here, I, I think I can solve your problem with my solution. So you're seeing that a lot on the ocean side. Uh, you know, you look at egg tech. I think you're seeing more of that in the U.S. Um, we definitely have some big players in Ontario and in Canada, but I see a lot of success happening more in Canadian companies going down to the U.S. to make these private sort of partnerships happening, which might kind of relate to your point around, you know, where we kind of export our innovators sort of thing. And so it might be highly linked to those partnerships. Um, but you're, you're definitely seeing it. I think, yeah, clean tech side of things, you're seeing a big push like in Alberta or in Newfoundland to kind of, I'm assuming in Newfoundland where you're kind of looking to get more uh, clean tech involved and a kind of conversion there. So whether that's the big corps um, incorporating it or whether it's the public companies pushing it, you've kind of got that going on as well. Um, again, with water, the, the challenge with water access or um, it's, I guess, more on the ocean's end, but on the water access piece, it's not a big challenge for Canada. But it is a big challenge for places like, you know, in the States, like in California and otherwise where there's these crazy water shortages or in India. And so I think, again, you're going to see more partnerships happening in those regions where the problem really exists. Um, and I think that's fine. I think that's great. That's kind of what you want to see. And that's kind of the, the win of getting outside of your, your region. Um, but again, you know, making sure we facilitate those connections or uh, expose those problems, whether it's through our trade commissioners or private investors or friends in the state, like you just, you got to try every single thing of networking and getting out there um, and building those relationships. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Cool. So, uh, you know, moving to, um, you know, what do you think of the future? Like, what do you think is, is next for the Atlantic region, for Startup Zone, for Canada in general? Like, you know, like we see, we're seeing a lot of movements towards, um, you know, the tech and become more tech friendly and pushing for more innovation, right? Uh, what, do you, what do you see in the next 10, 20 years? Like, do um, you have any insights? Yeah. Yeah, I would say, I think you're going to see an angel group um an organized angel group i think they're still they still exist they're out there uh and they're kind of working behind the scenes but i think you'll start to see more education on sort of you know the tech scene and the the tech investor side of things and what does it mean and should you be or shouldn't you be uh and so i think we're starting to see that grow here I think you're, you know, what I've seen for the, over the past decade is a continual push and growth towards more social enterprises, which I know has a, a varying definition, but, you know, seeing more companies that are doing these, this sort of essential tech, I think is, mm -hmm. is growing and being supported more and more and more every single year. Um, and I think that's where consumers are going. That's where businesses are going. That's where our generation is going. And so you'll continue to see that push here as well. Um, and we do really well with that because, you know, Atlantic Canada is just a small model of what's happening everywhere else in the world, or at least we like to think um, whether it is or isn't. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, we'll start to see sort of those formations on the social side which again will relate to water and oceans and clean tech and uh, what do we got egg tech and food with agriculture. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see all those sort of changes. I think, you know, the hope is government continues to support companies and entrepreneurs. Our entrepreneurs are getting better and better every year. So that peer support is amazing and we no longer have to go to Montreal or BC or California to chat with a successful entrepreneur who's done it before because now we actually have them in our backyard. And, you know, just hearing how someone was successful in Silicon Valley doesn't always relate well to like, mm. oh, so we can just do that in Atlantic Canada. It's a, it's a very different game in some instances. So it's nice to hear you know, have those role models of people who have done it in Atlantic Canada and kind of learn their sort of, whether it's tactics or just the fact that they've paved the road a little bit, uh, I think is going to be super helpful for us. So it can only go up from here. Um, yeah, we're seeing lots of activity. It's super exciting. And with COVID and everything, I think that's kind of realigned focus a little bit as well. And so any companies that were sort of staggering or zombied have either totally, you know, have, have definitely gone and, and just shut it down or have pivoted and, you know, optimized and taken advantage of what's going on in the markets now. So that's been really exciting to see too. So I feel like not just from an environmental standpoint, but from an ecosystem and company startup standpoint, things are a lot cleaner over here. Things are a lot clearer. Mm -hmm here in terms of people's value propositions and why they exist and so i think we're going to see another verifin uh in the coming years because this is you know it's pandemic times and if you look at shopify and you know when a lot of these companies that are 
uh, doing incredibly well or have exited recently. Um, they happened, you know, around 10 years ago or so, so uh, after the, the last crisis. So I think now's the time to capitalize on this so that we as Canadians can really distribute the wealth. And, you know, as being a crowd investor or an angel investor in, uh, in some of these startups, everybody wins. But if U.S. is just coming and scooping up all our innovations and startups, we're really not benefiting from the full value, you know, the full growth, the full accomplishment of, uh, of sort of that wealth that's supposed to be generated. So I would really love to see a, a better distribution of wealth, which means us paying it forward by investing in these startups early stage. And I can only imagine if, you know, people were able to take part in some of, you know, and obviously Verifin did have, you know, angels uh, and early stage investors and, you know, are incredibly happy, but imagine you had, you know, thousands of people taking part in that through a crowd or something like that. So I think there's lots of options, lots of growth, lots of changes happening on the financial regulation side, thanks to some, you know, local Senators uh, like Senator Colin Deacon is pushing a lot to, to ensure that everything is being logically thought out and ensuring that, you know, we maximize our value in innovative fintech and just financing in general. So that's exciting to see. And I think everyone's open to the conversation and understanding the problem. And we're moving. We're moving and grooving. I love it. Amazing. I love that, Patrick. Now this has been great. I think uh, this is a great place to end it because uh, it's such a positive uh, outlook you have, uh, you know, from Atlantic regions. Um, you know, I love the growth that uh, you've experienced there. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing the story. Um, and you know, it's really it's really cool to see like how different parts of Canada operates, but we're all aligned to the same goal, which is how can we solve the you know the world's problems using our innovative capital. And, uh, you know, there's a great bunch of wealth of uh, knowledge that we can really resource on. And uh, you guys are doing a fantastic job with the Startup Zone. Uh, you know, wish you guys all the best. And I'd love to, um, you know, have you back on in six months and get some more updates from you on, on uh, what's, what's been going on. Well, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe get some more examples of companies coming out of here. But uh, till then, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. It's lots of fun. And. Yeah, thanks for continuing to do this and spread the word, spread the story. Absolutely. Thanks. So stick around. Sure. We'll do a quick debrief. But for everyone who joined us, thanks, guys.